Hello and welcome to QPR Podcast. I'm Chris Mendez. This week I'm joined by QPR Podcast regular Paul Finney. You right. Making his podcast debut, uh, long-serving QPR fan Alan Charles. Hi there. And making his QPR Podcast return, former QPR striker, uh, Tottenham Academy coach and BBC London co-commentator Bradley Allen. Good evening. Thanks for coming back Bradley. Pleasure. Uh, we are now fifth in the table after beating Wigan on Saturday. What have you made of QPR starts the season? I think it's been really good. I think um, the supporters can look forward to a positive season. I enjoyed covering the, the first home game when we comfortably beat Leeds. I think the, the result on, uh, on, on Saturday at Wigan was, uh, was very good on the travels. And I think the supporters can see that they're, they've got a group of players buying into the manager's ideas and they're much more organised which is uh, which is excellent Jimmy Ford Hasselbank described it as a grinder the performance you were there Finney how would you describe it um, it was a weird one because I, I reckon now Bradley you're an ex-player and you've watched Rangers for years Chris you're Chris um, <laughs> there's something in the contract we have to play every first half now rubbish there's got to be because we were we're like Jekyll and Hyde you know we come out we really wind the manager up he, he looked very upset with a lot of stuff that we're doing on Saturday we also had a Clyde referee in it as well I mean some of the decisions he made like he gave them a free kick which was never a free kick the guy, the guy dived so far ahead of where he was actually tackled it was embarrassing it should never have been given and then they scored a goal that they ruled out because he knew he figged up with a free kick so it was one of them was, so why bother anyway um, second half played really well solid man of the match easily by a mile I thought was Hall I knew his finish was very um, Les Ferdinand like back in the day took it well placed it done well the support was pretty damn good as well I mean to get that many fans up there on a Saturday with a bank holiday I was quite impressed but the highlight was the fellow who jumped in the canal afterwards because we're all dandering down the road as you do and I was, was going to ask you about that I can't really see who that is from the video I was just wondering if it was you no you're alright <laughs> but you're close by yeah if I went down to meet me skanks like it wouldn't be good <laughs> it wouldn't be good I would seriously bring a new million to belly flop um, no, it wasn't me. But he did it in front of us, and he, he, I, I wonder if he was glowing the next day. Because imagine, like, you've seen those canals up north. I mean, and down south, doesn't matter. They're horrible, aren't they? They're full of, like, the shopping trolleys, whatever. And fair play to him. If, you, if you're listening, make yourself known on Twitter to us so we can talk to you. But that Because it's kind of like, he, he did this whole, like, thing of, like, you kind of think, he's, he's having a laugh, he's not going to do it. You know, he's taking the clothes off, he's, he's gone down to his own. Yeah, he's not going to do it. He's, he's going he's gonna, to... Fucking hell, he's in the water. Jeez, and then he started doing this... <laughs> Um, back thing and everything else it's like Jesus Christ anyway that was good also the thing I noticed on Saturday which no one's talked about is how much better Poulter's got holding the ball up he just needs someone to come in we were talking about this earlier on Alan, and probably no, but the rest of you guys weren't there sorry um, and it's it's kind of like he has improved his game so much to the level where he's a totally different player now I mean he Pulls the ball up well. It's just a shame he hasn't got someone coming in to run on who can shoot. Because if we had had that inside, he would have won that game two or three nil. Because we just lack that wee bit of someone coming in and taking the ball off Poulter, who's doing everything right, who is playing the, the perfect role that he should be doing to his ability. And I think also Luonga is, is turning to a really good midfielder. Um, but Hall, Bradley, I don't know if you were at Spurs when he was a 
but I'll be surprised if we keep on holding him after January because he yeah. is he must be making waves elsewhere. He, he, he's done really well, but but I think you know we, we we spoke about this the last time that I was on the podcast the uh, the type of character the the player that QPR needed in terms of uh, a, a more youthful player with hunger, understanding what it means to play for the club. I think now across the squad you've got that and you've got players that want to prove their worth um, if they get further opportunity gain uh, extended first team experience I think the football club is going to be better for it both on and off the field of play I think these younger players are going to be of value to QPR yeah. again and, uh, and and Hall certainly epitomises that Do you think um, he could be some a future captain? Because he seems like he leads by example the way he plays Yeah, uh, he's got a nice temperament uh, he, he's got this calm and influence and learning off someone like Anua, who I think has uh, has hung in there, and and he, he's a value now to this group of players. You know, he's a he's a good professional. He um, obviously came into the club at a time when we were, you know, buying the wrong type of players, paying them far too much money. I know that that's been well documented, but he stuck around, and he and he understands at his stage of his career that he's still. Uh, very fortunate to be rewarded and I think he wants to give a little bit back to QBR which is good to see and I think the younger players are feeding off of that Yeah, we'd love to see him um, Alan uh, well, yeah, you've, I was going to say you've, uh, you're making your QPR podcast debut today we've won a couple of games lost a couple of games won a, since the last podcast we've won a couple again is it glass half full or half empty for you? Um, well, I think it's always half full from my perspective, and that goes back for you know fifty odd years of uh, supporting the club. Um, so, so I've seen many ups, many downs, and more downs than ups probably. Um, but uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think things look a lot more organised this year. I know the results have been fifty-fifty, but um, we do look like an organised outfit. And I absolutely echo the uh, the comments about Grant Hall. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think throughout last year he absolutely excelled himself um, he was brought in as a squad player uh, brought in as a squad player but um, came through uh, and, and really did um, a fantastic job We this time last season um, and I, I'm kind of feeling optimistic we seem like we're more difficult to break down the first two games of the season we didn't even have a shot on target against us and against Wigan only one shot on target they managed at home when they're usually strong but August the 30th 2015 we were fourth in the table so one position higher than we are now and it was at this stage of the, ta- this stage of the season that QPR really went downhill won two out of, fifth, two out of the next 12 ah, listen we're, we're having a cup run and everything <laughs> Chris this is not the time for, for being a realist or being a QPR fan this is the time for dreaming you know Sunderland at home brilliant draw that actually to be fair the club have done well charging six I mean who knows we, we, we can maybe even get to Wembley you never know you know, you do. But the, the, so the club have charged six pounds seventy for tickets. Yeah, for the um, for the Sunday, which I think is brilliant, and everyone should go. Everyone yeah. should go because it's it's a, it's a brilliant. Bring your kids. It's a winnable br- tie. Yeah. It is. I they're think gonna, so. they're going to play a younger team. I think we'll go strong, and home advantage, good crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, with with uh, reduced ticket prices, I think you know the the team can look forward to that and, and really give a good account of themselves. Um, to be honest, I seen us lose in the LDV or Johnson Peter Trophy, whatever it was, in the South End, that that final thing. So it'd be nice to have a proper cup run. Which these things are. I mean, you know, we beat Sunderland. That's a Premier scalp. Then we can get someone else. That's another scalp. Then we beat someone else. We're at Wembley. Yeah. It could be a Samora day all over again. We need a new Samora. 
But the, the the other thing is, by the way, that I forgot to mention about Wigan on, on, on Saturday. I, maybe it's just because I'm Northern Irish, I notice these things, but there's about six Northern Irish fans in the corner who I'm sure just turned up in case Will Gregg scored so they could do the song. They were sitting in the corner. They didn't make any movement during the game one way or the other as if they were Wigan fans. So I'm just wondering if they've come over in the boat every week and just hopefully they score they can sing their song. <laughs> they weren't very happy when they left. No. But um, the newer one sounds much better, by the way. Yes, The new version of that, uh, I think, is excellent. Well done to whoever started that on Saturday. You are a genius. Uh, Bradley, one of your former clubs, Charlton, QPR signed Jordan Cousins from, from Charlton in the summer. I just wondered how you, how you think he'll get on at QPR. Do you think he could be a yeah, player? Yeah, I think he'd do well. Um, he, you know, he, he is that category of the player that we're now signing. Um, younger, looking to still uh, prove his worth. But I think because of the fall from grace that Charlton have had, he, he's someone that's been thrusted into the first team. He's gained first team experience. And I think Rangers could be a benefit there. And I, and I see a lot of potential in him. I think he's athletic. He doesn't miss many games. He'll get around the pitch. He's versatile as well and can play across a number of positions. Um, probably by his own admission, he could score a few more goals if he is to play in a midfield role. But I certainly think that he'll be one that um, will, will warm to the hearts of the QPR supporters. Just, I know it's not our club, Bradley. To be fair, and you know, I went when I when I first came here. I ended up in Lewisham, living for a while. And all that. So, like, what is actually going on at Charlton? Because it's a bit scary. Because that could happen to any club in the Championship, which is one level that we know from the Premiership. But it doesn't look good, does it? And this this drop. Well, there, there appears to be a, a, a breakdown of relationship, doesn't there, between owners and, and fans, which you can ill afford at any football club. And uh, you know, the the lack of season ticket sales will affect Charlton this season you know they're still classed as one of the bigger teams at League One and they're Mm. expected to challenge I do think that they've appointed sensibly in Russell Slade who's experienced who might be able to uh, to steady the ship but they're going to be in for a challenging campaign because he's done some signings and hopefully they can have an impact on the squad and their performance this season but there's every chance for the close of the window. One or, be- one or two of their better uh, younger players will, will be pinched from, from other clubs. And, uh, and that is, that is going to be a worry moving forward. It's weird because, I mean, no one spent too much time on Charlton, but it's just, you come into the, these people seem to come to the Championship Club, one level from the Premiership, and before you know it, you're in League One and things are all different and their ideas are all different. And it's, why did the Football League allow these things to happen? I just don't know because they couldn't have had a credible plan for that club. It's ridiculous. Well, yes, and, and you know the, the fan base has been lost somewhat. That was yeah. built up over such a long period of time, having returned to the Valley, you know, the progression made under manager Alan Kirbishley, up to the premiership, premiership, back down, then back up, and then stabilising for, what, nearly seven years. Their crowds were plus 20,000. This season, they could be below 10,000, you know, halved. Mm. You know, it's a terrible shame. And without those revenue streams coming into Charlton... You know, there's no guarantee that they can sustain a challenge and make an immediate bounce back up to the championship. The gap between the championship and League One, I mean, the championship's getting, it's just so much money in it now compared to what it used to be. Aston Villa signs on 15 million. As well. I yeah. think that's the thing. To be fair, Newcastle, I think, have changed the whole blueprint for the championship this season. I don't think you could have foreseen that. And everyone's playing, I mean, what's. We'll go back to talk about our club in a second, but what's happening at Forest is shocking. We might actually win there this year. This, 
All right, Forest fans, if you listen to this, you're on your own podcast, but I'm sorry for your, your plight. But we could actually win there. If we don't win at Forest this year, we're never gonna, I'm never going back. That's it. I'm going to give it one more go. I'm going there. We don't win. I'm never, ever going back because there's no chance of actually winning there. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, talking of signings, QPR, they announced it just before the podcast, a couple of hours before the podcast. Uh, you had mentioned that Pod, uh, Polter could do with someone alongside him. Idris Asilla, 1.75 million. Good signing, do you think? What's his stats on the fella? Well, he hasn't got an amazing goal-scoring record. He's played in the Europa League, though, and he's played for Anderlecht. Um, he's never scored more than 10 goals in one season. He scored nine goals in 38 uh, a few years ago, then nine in 26. Last season, he scored seven in 35. So n- not amazing, but he started this season well. He scored two goals in five games. Um, Bradley, have you seen much of him? Yeah, I see him um, last season when they played Spurs, actually, Anderlecht. You know, they have been a a nation of developing young players and getting them to the highest level um, he comes with potential I think you know he, he, he's sort of one of these modern day attacking players I wouldn't class him as an out and out winger maybe if you play one striker that Rangers sometimes do which is Poulter you have three supporting players mm. um, offering that whether they come in field one of them maybe playing as a number 10 just off of the striker and I think Silla can do that you know he's dual footed I think he'll be eager to impress. It's a good chance for him. Um, and, and no doubt that he'll have technical qualities that he can bring to the side. And uh, Connor Washington's been at the club for a little while now. He's played nearly 20 games, hasn't scored in the league yet. Uh, his confidence probably isn't as high as it could be. Uh, how do you think this will affect him? And another stri- big-name striker coming well, in? It might just give him the, the jolt, the boost that, that, that he needs, I think. You know, you mentioned Poulter. I, I, th- I think he's done tremendous. Why? Because he's played. He's yeah. been given a chance. He's an, had an extended run in the side. Now, at the start, he was not everybody's cup of tea. He was very hit or miss. But I think by playing football, all strikers will tell you, even if they're not in the back of the net, if they've got the faith of the manager, keep picking them, keep putting them in there. Eventually, you'll get better. And that's been the case with Poulter, but not with Washington. I think, you know, he's been rather disappointing. I think he can score, but maybe he's one that you need to play a particular formation and personnel to get the best out of him. Maybe a 4-4-2. Maybe he needs to play alongside Poulter and have a focal point in the attack and he can feed off another striker. Alan? Well, I'm wondering, you know, over over the last um, months, Poulter's game has has improved considerably and he's become much better at holding the ball up um, and laying balls off to other players. Now, when you're playing one up front, that's not necessarily important, but um, he doesn't have... The, the, those around around him running through at the moment um, so I think Washington should be given another chance um, because if he was in there playing two up front with Poulter I think he'd, he'd score a lot more goals I, I worry because obviously I mention it every week the Euros they're great and all that monarchy but Washington does seem to be a different player when he plays in the green shirt than he does play in hoops now, well that's because he believe, O'Neill believes them more than Hasselbank does or whatever I don't know or it's a strange one, but if I was Washington, the view I would have now is, well, if we're going to bring this fella in, and there's a lot of money to pay for another fella, that'd be with Washington's fee and his fee, nearly five million quid, you've got to play one of them each week. You've got to maybe go, this is, maybe this is the turning point where we actually go yeah, two up top. Where, where QPR at as well, you know, that, those transfer fees for both those players are quite high. Yeah. So, so, you know, Jimmy Floyd has sort of got to justify playing at least one of them every week. I think, you the, thing, right, I think the thing is, though, what, what we've got to look at is, is how the team are playing 
where maybe they play with an extra midfield player, a more conservative defensive approach, which has worked. But in some games, Jimmy Floyd maybe feels that he might have to open it up a little bit and Mm. sacrifice a midfielder and and actually select and be braver, take risks and go for a second striker. And that's where Washington, I think, has to be ready in terms of selection if he's given that chance. And he's got to grasp it, whether it's him or if it's Silla to do that. I think in the coming weeks and months we'll find that out. And does it it make it more difficult to fit a second striker in there when... Arguably our best player well, is sad, Sadly Cherry. not many teams play 4-4-2 do they yeah. a, a way that they've done that If you look at Conte with Italy in the summer They played like a 3-5-2 So they played two out and out strikers But there was a different formation behind them I think it can be achieved But what a lot of teams are worried about Is being outnumbered in midfield Where teams like to play through the middle of the park I think what it does give you an option If you do have two up front Is hitting a longer pass And someone like Poulter that can challenge He's, he's obviously got himself really fit. He's had a tremendous pre-season. He can back into the strikers. He can win a few flick-ons, but he needs, he needs a bit of help alongside him. See, what worries me, if I'm being honest, is that I don't think, we talked about this before you know, the last time, kids or any player gets a chance these days. They, 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 if they're not like Pelly in three games, I said Bind. I mean, Bradley, you, you came through the youth system, you played for QPR. You literally would have had 45 minutes to prove yourself. And I fear that's where football's going now. You're literally judged on... 45-50 Les Ferdinand would not be a QPR player now if he, if he came from Hayes now to QPR he would have been binned probably that's not sad but, but, but I think if, if, you, if you compare Les's situation and even even the, 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 the journey that I had in my formative years at QPR you know I, I debuted at 17 I played three games when Trevor Francis was manager because they hardly had any players then. He was sort of enforced to give some younger players a chance. Mm. But never played again for another three years. Why? Why? Because I wasn't ready. I had to go back and play for the reserves. I had to develop my game. I had to improve. And then it was a change of manager. Somebody different, Jerry Francis. He, he see attributes there and he was prepared to work with me. But then what then happened was there was different strikers there. So there was healthy competition for places as well. And I think eventually that's where you need to get to. Bradley, you, um, you work in, uh, with youth players and there's been some changes at QPR in the last few years. Perry Suckling, Chris Ramsey uh, looking after it now. Uh, how confident are you that young players will start to come through at QPR and how long do you think it will take? It, it takes an awful long time. Um, you, you need patience, you need staff that you know, understand the, the players individually. I think that's, that's the crucial factor. You know, Spurs, Southampton, maybe a, a two Premier League clubs that have had huge success with that in recent years. They've had managers that believe in opportunity and pathway for young players and they'll work with players with potential. But as quick as that, if they don't think that some of those players are worth persevering, well, they'll quickly dismiss and then, then they'll get the next ones in. So it's, it's up to the, the staff to see the, the, uh, the potential in some of these players and work with them. You've got, to, you've got to do that religiously. That takes years and years, real patience, before you bear the fruits of that. Most football fans will, will just see, um, they won't look too far into the youth setup at Spurs and QPR. They'll just see quite a few good young players coming through at Spurs and none coming through at QPR. How different are the youth setups at the two clubs at the moment? Is just kind of light years apart? Well, I think, I think you know, Spurs has, has certainly moved to a, a much greater level. You know, we have a, a state-of-the-art training facility that's been in place for the last few years. That's helped recruitment enormously. We have some tremendous staff who work tirelessly with the players on the training pitch, trying to improve them, build those relationships. 
I, I think what's crucial for QPR as a football club and where they're at, they have to get a new training ground. I think that is so important. So they have a base to work from in West London where they can you know, bring the local boys in, they can work with them and then they understand the DNA and what it means to play for the club again. I've said this time and time again because I knew that when I first signed for QPR at 16, I knew as soon as I walked through the door at Loftus Road, I wanted to become a first team player. Now it took me a while to do that but you've got to have the staff there. I worked with some tremendous coaches, the likes of Frank Simbley, people like that, who were ex-QPR people who themselves had been a part of the club. And hopefully, you know, across the staff, good people in now, that, that, that the club will eventually return to, uh, to some of those days and we will finally be able to have somewhat of a conveyor belt of young players coming through. One of the most talented youngsters at QPR at the moment, Cole Kapikawa. It's off on loan to Barnsley. I hope you said. I hope I pronounced his surname right there. But, uh, do you think that's a good move? Would you uh, prefer them to get more games at QPR? It didn't look like he was going to get games, so maybe it is a good move for him. I get confused by the message we send out sometimes that we want to have more youth and we want to develop our own players, and then we send them somewhere else. Um, you'd have to ask Les Ferdinand that question. He, he's probably a better person asking me. I would just like to see our own players. And I, I don't get this loaning players in each division to other sides. It, does, it's, uh, it baffles me in the Premiership and it baffles me even more in the Championship. I just don't get it. I just don't know why you would help anyone else in the same division as you. It didn't happen in your day, did it really? No. So I wish him well. Maybe he'll come back a better player. I don't know. It's just a, a very strange one. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, an, it's an interesting one because we've had a few youth team players come through in recent weeks and uh, it was something that you know, I get slaughtered for saying this. Because I know Steve Gallon and everything else, and people always say, "Oh God, you, you, you're in Gallon's side," and I'm not. I generally am not. But you know, Steve was sacked for not bringing enough players through. But since he's been sacked, the players that he's brought for you have played from the first team, and now one's off alone in Barnsley. And I just, I don't know. I just find that strange. But they've got four more brains than I'll ever have. I'm sure they know what they're doing better than me. But I'd like to see them given a few games of QPR to judge the fella. Alan. Um, just going back to what Bradley said about you know um, having your debut and then going back to the reserves. The reserve league in those years was much more competitive than it is now. Yeah. Is there a view that says that the football league needs to get back to having a proper reserve league, not these um, joke uh, competitions that go on? Well, that, that, that starts this evening, doesn't it? The the AFL Trophy, where you know some of the Cat One. Premier League clubs are entering under 21, under 23 teams. You know, is that going to work? I think if you're a lower league club, your, your team talk's done for itself, isn't it? You're just going to, you know, kick lumps out of the opposition if they turn up. And some of them uh, are rather big time. I think, you know, those days where you would play with senior players who needed to play to get back in the first team or returning from injury, it's it, it self-managed itself and, and, and those younger players would, would benefit from having the senior guys around them and, and, that, and that sadly has been lost and I think between the age of 19 and 23 there is a void there there is a, there is a lack of uh, first team football across all levels that the, that the younger British players are, are not getting and that, that's not them making them prepared enough to make that natural step and progression into the first teams mm. It's, it's scary in some ways as well because because by what I said to you when you when you made your debut you said you know six, 17 at Rangers people aren't going to get in your back straight away but I mean we've all seen it a young player comes on Gregor Cox for instance and everything else does reasonably well but people are straight on their back will he make it they're judging him at that age and you can't you can't judge a player at 17 you really can't yeah. I mean no, it's, it's unfair you got, you got to, I think you've got to give minimum 50 to 100 games 
I think okay. then then you start to get uh, a, a clearer idea to the the capabilities of that particular player, and and then see if they can find that level of consistency required. See, I'm, I'm stupid. I know that, but I always think if Andres Townsend had still at QPR, he'd had a much better career than he's had afterwards. But that's my personal opinion. But because he would have been a better player, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the grass isn't greener. It's uh, it's a tricky because you footballers are ambitious. They want to play at the highest level. It's like Charlie Austin. He was playing week in, week out at QPR, and he's just kind of struggling to get into the start, Southampton starting eleven week after week. And he's one of those players that has to be in there. So, but with with the youngster Cole, um, it's a tough one because Barnsley. We've played them already. They beat us, and they look like quite a decent team. They might challenge for the playoff position, so they might finish the season in a similar sort of position. I don't think they will. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to they're trying to get as many points in the board as possible with the youngsters have got before the heavy end of the season comes in. And they start picking up injuries. That's how I see. I could massively be wrong, and they could surprise everyone by doing a boom. Well, Bournemouth wasn't. Everyone talked about Bournemouth being a surprise. It wasn't really massively invested. It wasn't it wasn't that surprising. But yeah, they're probably trying to get. But it just seems that I just don't get this loan and players as clubs in your league. I just you know it just, it just seems mental to me. I mean, because can you imagine like that? You know, you, you, even though that player can't play against you, your manager, your boss phones you up. So who are you playing Saturday? Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how does it work? And and as well, sometimes some that you send out, they're not always a success. You know, some some players fail. They struggle. They might not actually be ready for 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 that change and and, and going and gaining that experience at another club. So that again needs an understanding, patience. But there's always a benefit from it, wherever wherever it might be. Um, and whichever player, I think they're trying to get the the goalkeeper who I had at Spurs, Joe Lumley. They're trying to get him. He nearly went to Gillingham, I think, last week oh, okay. on loan. And I think they're they're trying to fix him up with the club so he can go and play because he's probably you know, at a level now where he's ready to do that and, and, and be challenged. And I'm sure there are one or two and, 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 and no doubt Les, Les Ferdinand is, is continually trying to oversee that. Do you remember the Graham brothers at QPR way, way, way back? Yeah. And uh, Kevin Kingsmore yeah. and people like that. We, you kinda, they, they stay at youth, they stay, they don't get the games. I mean, especially with the Graham brothers, they didn't get the games and then they go off and on and disappear. But they were breaking records at youth team. Look, everyone was talking about the youth team. So, can you hold a player too long at a club? I think you can. I think sometimes you know you can judge someone better by by, by throwing them out there and, and putting them in the deep end a little bit and, and see if see if they can stay afloat and and that 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 can um, you know harden a player that can you know prepare them and almost microwave them and, and, and ready to then go and have a career because I think that that's part of your role as well when you're talking about developing young players. Some might not be good enough for your first team. Some might not be good enough for QPR and Jimmy Ford and Hasselbank. But what you've got to try and do is make them the best that they can. So if that player, having had, had them at the club from 12, 13, whatever years of age, they go on and they go and have a career in League Two or they play conference or they go and play Irish football or wherever it might be, fantastic. And the small part that you've played in their development, I think they're successing that. You've not lost them to the game. But the problem that you're getting is not enough of them play and then they get released at 90 and then they just go right through the system and then they end up out of the game. Massive percentage of players out of the game. That's the problem. But again, does that go back to the lack of competition when they're young? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think the, the level, the standard of coaching coincided with the games programme. I think they're the crucial factors. And we actually won the Floodlit Trophy as well once as well. Alan McCarthy was captain and you didn't, <laughs> did you? Did you play on that side? That was a bad little side, Dad. 87 I think that was it was Jesus I'm old <laughs> yeah 
tell me you're still playing, please. Anywhere, Saturdays, Sundays. <laughs> I, I have a kick about with our young players now and again, but that's about it. That wasn't a bad we said, Lauren Ferris, was it? Yeah, you but, mentioned Kevin Kingsmore. Yeah. Greg Costello, Brian Laws, John Murray, Tony Roberts. Uh, was a Herrera part Robbie of that? Herrera. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't a bad we said. And also, I'll tell you another thing. Sorry, to, Chris, I know you're hosting. Sorry, no, mate. I know. Um, the other thing that always made me impressed as well is that when Rangers bring players through, they do it well. Goddard and Allen. I love Paul Goddard but you know that that was such a good partnership as well you know it's, could that happen again? Maybe maybe the problem that, that you have now unfortunately is if Rangers do have a, a little gem on their hands somewhere through maybe one of the, the younger age groups they, they tend to perhaps get cherry picked by the bigger clubs It happened with Raheem Sterling uh, Great example if, if, so you kind of almost want them at 15 not to be quite as good as he is but kind of have a late cur- late upward curve how likely do you think it would be if, if QPR had a, a brilliant player now at 15 that he would be poached by one of the club maybe maybe yeah. you can you can have and build a, a, a really solid relationship with the family and the, the, the support mechanism where you're saying well they're, they're going to get a chance to play in our first team at a younger age and we're going to make them better from that we're not going to deny you a chance to be moved on and sold, but just just trust us. Let us let's have the best interests of your son. Um, we, we'll give him that chance to play first team football and flourish and get better and improve. And then from those um, experiences, then they're going to be ready to to move and take that chance. But it's becoming more difficult, is it? For Absolutely. Clubs? Yeah. yeah. Uh, transfer deadline day tomorrow. Do we need any more players? Do you think? Yeah. We always need players, don't we, at Rangers? We, could, we don't buy players, we buy squads. Although we haven't really been doing that so much. Well, we did last season, we brought a few this year. Do you know what? I don't know anymore. I mean, it used to be when I was young, and you're older than me, sorry, Alan. And uh, you know, you're getting there, Bradley. And Chris, I hate you. Um, you're too young. I'll get there one day. Um, is it, you know, you used to bring in three or four players a season, didn't you? And that would be the, the balance of a side. I remember we, we, we signed Paul Wright from Aberdeen. And um, and he did amazing things. Went back to school. You you took it, but now you, you, I lose track of people. I mean, it's age. I don't know. Has transfer deadline become just a big sky gimmick that clubs feel they have to just massively fill the ranks quickly to get Jim White talking about them? I don't know. It's cause funny you should say that, Finney. That we lose track of people. The QPR signed five people in August last year. Grant Hall, Alex Smithies. Can you name the other three? Yeah, Mars from Huddersfield. Oscar Goben Oscar Goben of course yeah he's still pulling trees for QPR I believe um, and no uh, he's been released was, was um, Emmanuel Thomas one of them no he wasn't oh uh, um, to someone who knows what we're talking about Alan no, but, uh, I'm just cheating if I, I gave you an answer so. I, I, yeah, oh, yeah that's true yeah, he's, he's peering over my shoulder I didn't know it before today Tyler Blackwood he's since joined oh, he's American Arizona fella. United Tom Rosenthal young guy who's from Belgium he's been released as well so kind of backs up what you're saying it's a uh, it seems like clubs just sign people for the sake of it sometimes or sometimes I think we have a plan and you've been on this better now with Bradley most football, because you're a professional footballer I drive a van for a living so I'm just, you know, not judging myself but I am um, is it with Rangers we seem to have a philosophy we go with and then at the last minute we panic and then change all the rules and then go against everything we said for three months and then just fill the books with players again, which is this season we haven't really been doing as much, but we've still got a blinking massive squad for this division. So, uh, so there's data going, who do you think? 
What's that? As a day to go, who do you think? I don't know. I think we should sign Sandro. He looked great last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> I read that on Facebook. Give him another contract for another two years. I'm like, well, steady on. Um, I don't know. I still think we need an out and out finisher. Someone like a Bradley, Clive, Les, Paul, um, Gary. You know, legends of the past. But I'd love to see a sign someone like Roy Wigley. That, that, would, that, that would get me back <laughs> on the ground. But, you know, there's talk of Ravel Morrison, isn't there? Coming back. Yeah. It's, uh, one of, it's one of those I think that could go either way you know he's not had one whole season where he's been really consistent so it'd be a bit of a risk but. is he any good? I mean he, he played for us he was alright he was decent but uh, you know he's not like Adele was where I know Adele's up for but let's not go down that road again but what do you think Brad? Yeah he's a maverick isn't he and I think players of that type the club have, have had um, individuals of that calibre th- through the decades that have often shined at a club like QPR but you know, you need a, a type of manager, I think, to be able to deal with, with individuals like that. Uh, they're not easy. They're high maintenance. But they obviously, at championship level, like Adele proved, you know, in working with Neil Warnock, he, he got the very best out of him and, and mm, had ma- magnificent magnificent success. Whether Morrison could return to these shores, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. He's but a great player, though. What is that? He, yeah, he's, he's hugely talented. He wouldn't have been at Man United as a kid if he wasn't any good. Um, I think, you know, you've got to look at... Uh, you know, goal scorers. I totally agree. I think that that will prove to be the difference come the end of April, start of May next year. The the, the, the three sides that um, that are there or thereabouts in terms of promotion, it will be the ones that have got the best goal scorers within their uh, starting late at eleven. And do you think QPR have enough now to challenge for promotion, or do you think they'd need a couple more playoffs at best? I I'm positive that it would be an improved season on last campaign. But I'm not so sure if we've quite got enough to, to, to get there. But you never know. There's always one team. You know, you look at the the flying start that, that Huddersfield have made, whether they can sustain it. They've got a good coach, bought well, a couple of young, uh, talented players from German football. Uh, it can be done. And, and like you say, if your recruitment's good, there there are still a few gems out there across the lower leagues. Yeah, Leicester showed it last season in the Premier League, shining example. And the um, manager in charge of Huddersfield now was... Uh, worked under Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund so they don't haven't got the biggest budget in the championship so it just shows good coaching decent signings anything can happen I'll let you do in a few weeks I'm going there you never yeah. know we might win there our away form has been quite good two wins one defeat very unlucky defeat last minute can we win at Forest though I want to win at Forest <laughs> I, I know I've said it already I don't care I just want to I want to exercise that ghost I've, you know, it's just annoyed because they'll change ground one day I know they will and it's just going to stay there and be forever I was there when Clough scored that horrible hat-trick sorry uh, records are there to be broken so it's going to happen one day you, if, if we do it I ban everyone a drink who's there that night as long as there's water um, did you see Neda Manua's comments after the game where he said interesting comments about signings he said that um it's QPR benefiting, he thinks, because they haven't got any star players. He said they focus more on teamwork. And he said last season we had Charlie Austin, Matty Phillips, <clears throat> uh, Junior Hoylet. But uh, we're not like looking to one particular player to get us out of trouble now. And he thinks the team are benefiting, it, benefiting he, from that. He said Junior Hoylet. Okay. I think so, yeah. Okay. Over to you two. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you know, he, probably with his experience, I think he, he, he feels that there's more harmony across across the group and um, 
and and there's, there's there's a commitment to to the cause. I think that's been shown in performance, and that that's often something that for me I would associate with the better QPR teams of of the past. Mm. Having said that, you know you still do need in certain games that little bit of magic. That's someone that can make a difference, often against the better teams when when things are tight. Um, and and have QPR got enough of that across their ranks? Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not sure, but. What pleases me is, and I'm sure the supporters have embraced it, is we've got a more competitive and more honest group this season, which is which is good to see. So that's that's refreshing, and I think that will serve its purpose in this campaign. Okay, we've got five minutes left, so come to our ours end of the show. Where any final thoughts, Finney? Just quickly, I'd like to say, I talked about Stan Balls last week, and. It's good to see how this is going, developing, and hopefully we'll get testimony for Stan Balls. And it's good to the club are meeting the fans to talk about this, to make this happen. Because it will happen, it should happen, and there's no reason why it shouldn't happen, because Stan Balls is in need, and he is a legend, and we should do the right thing, in my opinion. But thank you, QPR, for listening. Thank you for arranging the meeting. Brilliant. That's all I want to say, and thank you again to Rangers for doing this. It means a lot to a lot of people. Bradley, uh, can we expect to see you down at QPR this season? How do you think we'll get on? I think I think we'll be okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident that I'll be covering more games across the season, uh, and and just you know echoing Finney's thoughts there. Um, I, I really hope that the club continue uh, to improve their um, involvement of ex-players within the club. Those that you know contributed to success and the good times. We mustn't lose the generation of supporters that remember those golden years. You know, of course, we've got the um, the 50th year this year of the, the League Cup success, which I think the, the club across this season are doing commemorative events, which is fantastic. But there are other p- periods, other spells as well within the 70s, 80s, 90s, where we've had some fantastic players, uh, some really uh, decent teams that have played a, a real... You know, lovely brand of football that the that the history of QPR is based on, and we mustn't forget those days. Alan, um, so so I'd like to echo uh, Paul's comments about the uh, the Stambol's testimonial, and I think it's absolutely important that we do that. And very much like Bradley said, that uh, it's important to those of us who've been going down there for a long time. And maybe it should be uh, two games. Maybe it should be a game at Loftus Road. Maybe it should be a game at Nottingham Forest as well, where they throw it for us. <laughs> you never know or we could play brevet one other thing I'd like to say Chris sorry is that we did mention last week the passing of Ray Jones and Daphne Biggs they'll always be forever in our thoughts yeah so it's Ray Jones nine year anniversary and I can't believe it's been that long really no it's one of those where you know you always remember where you were when it, you know, when it happened and what a player he was as well yeah uh, for a young man as well um, my odds end uh, it's good to have, always good to have someone on for the first time Alan what was, what was your first do you remember your first QPR game um, yeah, we were talking about this earlier on. So it was um, the 24th of March 1967, actually, and it was um, Darlington, if I remember rightly. We won 4 0. Um, and then it was Easter, so we had the privilege of coming on the 25th as well, another home game. Uh, I can't remember the, uh, the opponents that day, but we won 2 0. So I saw six goals in two days. Um, so who says that uh, too tired is uh, an excuse? Two games, same team, two same days. Same QPR team playing both games. Yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> Been an open all ours. Thank you for listening. QPR, QPR, this one Rangers.